The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to the 161st episode of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Good. I don't feel great, but I'm sticking through it. I'm not like some gymnasts I know. Yeah, Simone Biles withdrew. That's that. She's, she'll be back for the individual contest, and the U.S. women's team won silver medal. Won silver. Good for so them. That's, yeah. that's pretty good, right? Silver medal. No, is, uh, it's not. And I will let's save that. We'll get into that later because I want to vent. It, it is. That. It is interesting. So we're talking a little Olympics, and we'll talk some draft, and then I want to talk about the finals really quickly before we get into all but that. I, but just I, just to clarify, if you, in case you missed it, Simone Biles is not on every paper probably at this point it will be um Simone Biles pulls out in the middle of a competition not because she's hurt allegedly because she's just felt <laughs> she's, too much pressure her mental good, health. Yeah. I mean who knows who whatever knows? you know what totally understand it seems like a lot of pressure um <laughs> is the, there more pressure on Simone Biles or the, the or weight TV of the world or the, or the team USA men's basketball team against Iran where they are currently on bovadasportsbook.com a 40 point favorite for their second game. But the crazy thing about that, now you got me started. I guess I got myself started. It was the coverage and there's still going to be the coverage. So NBC is, you know, obviously in bed with the Olympics and the, and the gymnasts are like, they're like, yeah, it's a big, golden cow. It's, basically. It's like, it's like swimming, gymnastics and track and field. And Simone Biles is like very clearly the biggest star. on the right. women's so, side. And so they're invested in her career. After she pulls out in the middle of a competition and really leaves her teammates hanging a man down, basically, woman down. They act like she did some heroic thing. The, Hoda Kobe was on the on the NBC Hoda broadcast Codby, saying, right? Codby, saying to it's her, a, "It's amazing how." I was just marveling on how well you rallied after quitting and cheered on your team. Did she say and, quitting, or was that subtext? no? That's you me. added. You added that in. It's, she gave her credit for after pulling out to <laughs> cheering on her teammates and being a coach and helping them win. It's like. Give credit to the, the ever, girls and the women who had to win despite their teammate pulling you know, out in the middle of a competition. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have a strong take on this. I have it, a strong it, take it, on it that. Seems, and I just want to say this. I am the person. I Maybe I'm crazy. Tell me if I'm wrong. You're younger. You're more woke. I tend to think equality means treating people equally. If Kevin Durant did that in the gold medal game, wasn't feeling it, felt that was too bright, lights are too bright quits in the second quarter would he be lionized for that would Do you he, know would be he criticized for that? i i'm i'm genuinely curious because i don't know i can't say i just saw that she pulled out and this morning uh i'm sorry tuesday morning when i saw this the coverage was that it was like a medical injury and then i i guess yeah, yeah. the last, she said the last few not. hours she said it's like not necessarily a medical thing and there there is there is some truth to the fact that like you're you're probably banged up anyway right cuz right and she didn't look great so th- i that's possible so, it's possible my, that my, like she's just she's a little hurt they're not my they don't want to blame that my question to you is that do you do you know how many, like, did she just bail out on her last vault was that like the very last thing where she was like i don't think i can do this 
Or did she have other events? No, she had other events and they had to carry on without her. So how many yeah. events did she not do? I don't, I don't know exactly that. It'll See, be that that's the problem. Like, cause, cause here's the one thing I will say, and I don't want to, I don't want to plant my flag in either camp cause we're not a gymnastics podcast. But one of the things about Simone Biles is like, she does these tricks or, or stunts. I don't know what they're technically called in gymnastics. This is really bad that we're talking about this, but that are so like difficult that other athletes have never even attempted them. So I, I do kind of buy into like, Hey, if you're not like in the right headspace to land some of these stunts, like you could get seriously injured, right? Like that's, that's like a real consideration. Is it not? No. Cause you can I, adjust, I just, you could adjust your tricks and tone it down a notch. But, but, but then if you do that and everyone's like, well, why are you doing that? And you're like, well, I just didn't think I could land my tricks. Then, then you kind of like go further down this road. I, and again, I, I well, don't you know what it sounds, it sounds tough and it sounds like a lot of pressure. Sounds like it's the effing Olympics. Like that's kind of the point. She's the best gymnast of all time. Like there's that's not fine. even like a real that's debate. fine. But anyway, let's talk about. But I'm best. just saying, like it, the, the the idea that there's too much pressure on athletes at the Olympics. There is. I mean, isn't the, that the entire point of sports to operate under pressure? I don't, and- I don't know. I I feel like in I, I feel like with like the gymnastics in the United States, given all the stuff that's happened over the last like 20 years with the team and like with the coaches. And obviously with like Larry Nasser, like I, I definitely feel like oh, the U.S. women's gymnastics team has had a culture where like the pressure has probably been re- really, really hard on some athletes. And so like I, I don't really like I, I, I again, I don't know someone Biles. I don't know anything about this story other than that she pulled out in the middle of the night. It's tape delay coverage. So, I, I you know, NBC's probably freaking it's out fine. about it. I mean, whatever. I just, I, I sympathize, I, I just but think like- it's. It's if very we want to hard. treat people, if we want to treat female athletes equally, we have to be able to criticize them. I'm sorry, and and any other athlete, I mean, is no be criticized but, in that. But situation. the problem is, like you're you're like you, you can't really like in. I don't, I don't know how to like correctly say this, but like we can't really be critical of something that we don't really know. Like again, that this is this is my point. That's the only reason why I gave that take on like, hey, are these tricks really hard? And she doesn't know what she's doing, or she might get hurt. Like. Because if that's the case, and if that's how she feels, maybe it it is better if she's not if she's not going to compete because she doesn't think she's at her best. Like, isn't that better? Like, I I don't think Simone Biles is like, I don't think Simone Biles is like, oh, like we're going to get silver, so I want to withdraw, so like my name's not on it. Her name is going to be on it, obviously. And she was proudly hoisting her silver medal, by the way, after pulling out. Yeah, so um, I, I don't know. I just think I think it's I think it's I think it's a big leap to take that like. That what? not criticizing her because she's a woman, right? Like I, I don't know. I mean, or it's, maybe because they're media partners or whatever. That's but. that's probably true. But Simone Biles is done after this. Like you would assume, like she's twenty four. You know, she could compete in. I guess it's still going to be twenty four. Well, may, right? maybe maybe women's sports is more at a, in a more vulnerable position. But turn on ESPN. Do they? If LeBron goes five for thirty in a game, do they talk about? Oh, you know, pressure. It's really hard to be LeBron James. I mean, you know. Like they get pounded and are, we're not treating them the same way. It also isn't isn't the same like wall to wall media coverage. Well, and also that's sort of like you get one every, you get one shot every four years. And Simone Biles has literally delivered in every single competition of like her entire career. Right. No, I, 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 she's certainly, from what I understand, the best ever. And it's sort of NBC's brand of the way they cover the Olympics is not hot takey. It's more like, no, yeah, it's stories. So that's what I was going to say is like, when you, when you watch athletes compete against each other, like, I I don't know. I feel like when I was growing up, there used to be like a little bit, they they built up like the rivalries a little bit more, right? Like I remember like Michael Phelps and Ian Thorpe, right? right. In swimming. 
But now it feels like, so th- there was a really cool, like hundred meter breaststroke on Tuesday night where a 17 year old from Alaska won. And obviously you, you swim as hard as you can. Then you look at the board and you see where she placed. And she was like really surprised that she, she won. She won very close race against a girl from South Africa. And then a U.S. breaststroker who was like the best in the world. And they were like so excited for her. And it's like, it, it, it seems like the Olympics now, everyone sort of is like really happy. Like, Hey, like we made it. This is an awesome thing. And, and they genuinely seem to celebrate other people's success. You don't really see any more like trash talk between athletes, which is kind of weird, right? Like you'd expect what you're saying that like you would show yeah. up and, and the and, cold and war thought, is kind of thought a little bit. You want more but, of like a super villain, but like, I genuinely think that like, that's what this, this is such a stupid segue, but like, I genuinely think that that's why this year's team USA like doesn't, get it like I, they sort of think that like everybody's there and it's like hey we're supposed to win and like france was like legit you're talking about the basketball team yeah like france was like playing their ass off to win the game and like drew holiday was playing his ass off right like, yeah so I, like in terms of our show we'll talk about usa basketball we'll talk about the draft this is you know our draft podcast it's such an abbreviated off season we kind of have yeah. to jam everything together but, but it's like it's it's like with Team USA, like everyone talks about like pride and stuff like that. And this happens every couple of years where like they don't get enough, they, they don't get the best players over there. Guys don't want to go. Like Harden got hurt, you know, mm-hmm. Brad Beal, COVID protocols. Kevin Love got scared. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like who knows? We don't know. Oh, yeah. He, he pulled us some home bile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We didn't hear about that. But like, so they lose to France. Uh, they they give up an 11-0 run late in the fourth quarter. But it was a, it was a close game like throughout. There, there wasn't, you know, they needed their own like 9-0 run to, to take the lead. Uh, and then, you know, Pop gives his presser after the game about how, like, we should be more respectful to France. And, you know, I, I had mentioned, I believe, last week that Team USA was like minus 14 and a half on Bovada. And that actually dropped, I think, to 12 and a half by game time. And I, I mean, France is good. Like, they've played a lot together. And yeah. I think that there's a realistic chance that and, and now they've lost what they, they've lost two of the last three exhibitions. And then this game, this was their first Olympic loss since 2004, which is you know, not surprising, I guess, but I, I think there's like a realistic chance we touted like USA to medal and, and I would still mm-hmm. bet on USA to medal. Don't get me wrong. But, but I maybe think not a- at minus 500. Last week we talked about it, it was minus 500 on Bovada and it's down. It was down to minus 300 after this loss. And we talked about the way that the Olympics is set up. It really doesn't matter too much. You're probably going to still advance to the group yeah. stage, the knockout round, but you it assume. does show you that they're definitely beatable. And I, I mean, would it, say like, instead of 95% chance of winning each game, it's probably like 75% chance. Yeah. Like if they lose to, if they lose to Iran, like there's, there's a real issue, but like they could easily lose to the Czech Republic. I, I think like, you know, Jan Vesely and Sadoransky are extremely good European players. Blake Schlib, who played at Loyola, really good college player who's now a Czech citizen who's very, very good with them. He was awesome against Canada uh, to eliminate Canada prior to the Olympics. And so I think that the, the thing to kind of like Damian Lillard's quote was very telling to me after the games in where he was like, these guys playing for their national teams, like they're not similar at all to how they are in the NBA. And like, that is 100% true. We've seen it for years and years and years. I'm not quite sure why Damian Lillard didn't know that. Because no, I, I think and I, in a way, like I think the USA team's getting too much criticism and unrealistic expectations. And here's some stats I would throw at you, Tyler. You're the stat guy. I'm the hot take anti-Simone Biles 
person. It did make, the Simone Biles thing did make you mad Tuesday morning. Like you were you were not I just happy don't, about that. I don't even I don't want to pile on her. I just don't like. Yeah, the it's coverage. not about it's not about Simone Biles. I understand yeah. what you're saying, but she it seems is, like in, a great athlete. But in a, um, in a lot of ways, like you said, because of who Simone Biles is and how important she is to NBC. If you just like berate her, if you're NBC, no, and you know, you know what? You I, I will really do that. it. I don't even think that feel the need to criticize her. I just don't need to feel the need to fake she, praise she, her. She doesn't need to. Be, yeah, it doesn't need to be like a, a thing like, hey, listen to your mental health. I understand what you're saying. I get it. Okay. I get anyway, so, but here's some stats for you. Um, I think, you know, everyone's going to use the Team USA losing. And if they lose again, like they're not the best team. They're not the best team. Like they can still be the best, the team, best team and not be expected to win against the field you know like if you think there's a better team who's the other better team do you think france is going to advance farther maybe you do i don't yeah. think so but Australia i think france is close right good. yeah there's a lot of good teams like that it's it's a it's not like secretariat anymore it's like this yeah. is a close horse race like if you if you look at the rosters zan from like 92 96 2008 like those teams are all hall of famers with the exception of like christian leitner you know what i mean and then like well, I, get, I saw. I don't. I think the team's really good, but here's some more stat. This is the stat. Javale McGee's on the roster, though. Like, come on. Like the fourth sure. center in '96 was like Shaquille O'Neal. You know, I, I mean, it, it's not. But it's also like it's basketball, and it's a short game, short three point line. Um, you can lose games. The the best team in the NBA doesn't win every single game. The best team in the NBA doesn't. You know, there's a reason that there's best of seven in the playoffs because you might lose a game or two or three. Yeah, but I, over the long expect. term, you you think the best team's going to win. If if the U.S. played France seven times, I think they would win four two. It's just you might that lose that first. That equals six. Oh, you're saying if in a seven game series. But here's the thing too: like we're we're not talking about you know like Durant was in foul trouble and adjusting to five fouls over six fouls is a big deal, right? So Durant's in foul trouble. They never really get him going. Damian Lillard looked. I think you pointed this out to me, but like he looked yeah. uncomfortable the whole yeah, game. He was like, like tripping over himself, yeah, losing like the he, ball. It was like, you know, and, and maybe he's not great with a feeble ball. I, I would assume he's fine. I don't, I, I don't think that anybody was really like, other than the Durant foul trouble, which again, the, the way this team USA is constructed is they're much more like an ISO scoring team than you'd expect in European basketball. And now in years past, that's been fine because they've just been better than everyone else, but also right. like they've had LeBron and like, that is, that solves problems when you need somebody to to distribute. And like in this game on Saturday, you know, Drew Holiday came in and gave a lot of energy and he really defended. Like I I thought Zach Levine was just awful on Saturday. And and I thought like, if he can't make shots and he can't defend, Dame was really bad defensively. You know, France pretty big at the guard spot. Nando Nicole was just really tough. And Fournier was just like going berserk. Like it didn't matter who they threw at him. And I think like, that's one of the biggest problems with this U S team is, you know, that, that, they don't have a pure point guard. They don't have someone to just like genuinely distribute the basketball. And that was well, and probably- also like, I think there are a lot of jump shooters on the team where, yeah. which is fine that in the long term, that's smart, but don't you remember in 2004, that's where they were like, we don't have anybody that can make a jump shot. Yeah. So. That we can maybe overcorrect it and went with all jump shooters. Yeah. It's like, if you're in a three point shooting contest, you're going to lose a game or two. Why, it's but like, the way it works. Why is Jeremy Grant on the roster? And I understand like he was shut down for a little bit, but like, why is Jeremy Grant on the roster? If like Keldon Johnson is going to close games, you know? And, and again, that's no knock on Keldon Johnson, but like, there's not a world where Jeremy Grant is worse than Keldon Johnson. Right well, now. and I think drew holiday to his credit that like, you're right. Like he kind of understood like, Hey, you get know, to the rim, get to the rim. We have an athleticism advantage over this team. Yeah. Um, 
And, and like, can, I could, I could get a layup every time. And you can put a lot of pressure on Rudy when like the rest of the team can't defend. And Rudy is, is, is really good at international play as well, but it's slightly different. Cause he's not just like screening and diving all the time. So, you know, you do play, play a lot of like five on four, but same thing like Bam, like, I, I just thought it was a lot of guys yeah. trying to do too much at the end of the game. I was I was most disappointed in Bam because yeah. he has this reputation as, like, an all-world defender. It's like, he's just not big enough yeah, he to be, like, an impact of, like, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, he just wasn't super good. And here's the thing. In Euroball, there's not as much switching, right? So, like, Bam and, like, Draymond, who are elite at switching, like, it doesn't right. do you quite as much good because teams are running a million sets. And by the time you've switched for the 15th time, then like, all right, great, man, <laughs> you know, Bam's on Nana DiColo in the corner. And like, now we have no one to protect the rim. And so I, I thought, you know, I just thought France looks so much more comfortable. And so I'm very curious. And okay. also and to France's credit, like they have Nana DiColo, you know, Batum, Fournier, Gobert. Those are like four good players. Yeah. Right? That's much, really good too. Like he's an NBA yeah. player. You don't need a great 11th man. You know, oh. like USA roster stacked, but you're only going to play, you know, six or seven guys. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, we don't really know who our six or seven guys are. Yeah. It's like we know Durant's playing. We know Dame's playing. And then after that, it's kind of like, I mean, they, they probably should start Drew Holiday, honestly. I, I mean, I don't know where Drew has like gas in the tank anymore. <laughs> like him and Middleton and Booker hopped to PJ, got to Japan on like one o'clock in the morning on Thursday had like one day to get acclimated and then Drew was like legitimately their best player on Saturday. And it's, it's, it's really impressive stuff, man. But at the same time, like I could see having Drew holiday on the team, but there's a bunch of guys that just like, you know, you're, you're Jason Tatum, Jeremy Grant, Keldon Johnson, like Devin Booker, like Zach Levine, like those five dudes, it doesn't really make sense as, as you built out your roster. Right. I'm, like, I'm a little scared because it's like, it's just the math of it too. Like, let's say, Here's a uh, stat that I kept alluding to. I never got to, but like Gonzaga in basketball, college basketball this year, statistically like by far the best team by every metric. Yep. But you have 538. What are the chances of winning the title? It was about like 25% just because it's hard. Yeah. Cause it's hard to win every single game without losing. They had to win six, you know, this team would only have to win three, but even if you won 80% of your games, Winning three in a row, which is going to happen, you have to do in the knockout stage. You have about a 50 50 chance. So, USA has got, you, you think it's 50 50? I think it's like 50 50. Then, what did you the, say? The gold so, medal now. So, on Vovada right, right now, it's minus 300. So, okay. So, they still think overwhelming favorite to medal. Well, I don't know if they think that or they think people are going to bet it. That's you know? true. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, let's what look, do you think? Let's see if it changed in, in, in your in your opinion, though, after watching the game, and you know, we've had a couple days to analyze this. It's kind of cool, like I said. It's minus two fifty now, so it's even shrinking. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I said, we we the, the strategy needs to be beat Iran by as much as you can because point differential is the tie break. By, by the way, you know, not, obviously, not to, beat, obviously beat the Czech Republic, but like you you want to be in a position where if you do beat the Czechs, like your margin of victory is like sixty, so you win the group because winning you, the group. It, is, if you've ever wondered if we are a popular podcast or not, I think we have evidence now. Because last week we said there was a weird quirk on Bovada where the medal was the same odds as gold medal, minus 500. Yes. And obviously you'd bet just medal, you know, you have three chances. That, that has gone up to minus 1,400 now to win a medal. So they've like corrected that flaw. Right. And, and I would have to credit our listeners, I think. Actually, I think we have the power to pull those odds. 
We also drove down the Camp Thomas. Uh, yeah, we did do that. That, that, that. that was like minus 160 for him to get drafted before, I think it was 23 yeah. and a half. I don't remember if 22 or 23 and a half, but then that went down to like minus 160. It was like minus 120. When we We're kingmakers, I think. The other, the other thing I will say, and we'll get to this a little bit in the draft later, but uh, the Sharif Cooper thing that I was talking about, apparently that was just a uh, measurement uh, data input issue, and he was not, in fact, 6'4". Uh, he, he still was 6'1". So. If you well, did, do you want to pivot to the draft or do you want to talk honestly, about that? I want, to talk, USA? I want to talk about the finals oh, really sure. quickly, if that's okay. Uh, yeah. So obviously finals outdated at this point, but not really a whole lot to say, you know, from an, 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 like an analysis standpoint, Giannis just tremendous, you know, probably. The I best think, yeah. I mean, the best game. finals ever. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know like best overall finals, but like pretty, pretty, I mean, I, I'd be pretty comfortable saying like the best closeout game of all time goes for 50 I thought it was really interesting that Milwaukee made a couple stylistic changes late. Like they, they, they put Drew on Devin Booker for pretty much the whole game, which I thought was really interesting. But then they also like went away from the Giannis pick and roll and just started throwing the ball to Giannis and being like, Hey, go to work. And it's like amazing that he, you know, he, he goes 16 for 18 from the foul line, which, you know, you want to talk about odds there, Xander. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable game. And I'm so happy for him. I will ask, I want to ask you a question though now as a sort of a capper on this season. Yeah. Giannis could not have played any better than he did in the finals. Like everything was clicking, no dominated idea, yeah. inside and out, everything defensively, you know, I was spectacular defensively. Yeah. I mean, are we willing to crown him as the best player in the NBA? Are you willing really to make that? Step? Right? I, think I think the only think other candidates are Durant and LeBron. Kawhi, maybe Kawhi's hurt. I guess though. he's hurt. He doesn't really yeah. count. Yeah, I, I guess, like, if you look at what Giannis has done through his age 26 season, like, the only guy that, that is even close, and, and I, I it, it's, it's like, arguable if Tim Duncan was better through eight, through his age 26 season. But he also ended up in a situation with a San Antonio team that was, like, not rebuilding. They just got very lucky in the sense that David Robinson was hurt and they had a high lottery pick. But, you know, Duncan is up there with him in, in, in that regard. And But I, but I think with Giannis, like, I, I, I'm just done hearing this whole, like, He's got no bag. Like he can't score. Like we just watched him literally carry a team to a finals win. And I understand that Chris Middleton was really good. I understand he had a lot of games where he made shots in the last two minutes, but like the other minutes of the game count, Zan. And like in the biggest game of the season, they threw the ball to Giannis over and over and over and over again. And he delivered for them. So like how much more do we need to see? And and I'm not even saying like, I, I think he's better than LeBron at this point. I think it's, it's very fair to say that he delivers much more on a nightly basis than LeBron does. And again, LeBron is going to be 37. He's probably going to be an actor full time pretty soon. So I, I just think like Durant is the one guy to me. Right. I would in, still you know, lean to Durant because I, I using this season as evidence, like they almost beat Milwaukee very yeah. shorthanded with, with just basically just Kevin Durant and then like right. shooters. It, the, the one thing with, with KD. And again, this is, this is where like basketball is quite interesting. Right. And not, not to like existentially pontificate here, but the biggest difference is that Giannis can't score as easily as KD does from, right. from the perimeter. He certainly can score pretty close to as easily as KD does. Although like if Durant wanted to average 35 or 40, I, I really think he could, but he just can't impact the game defensively anymore the way that Giannis can. And I think we watched Giannis just, I mean, Giannis just destroyed DeAndre Ayton's man. Like he, he was, a I, yeah, that was shocking. like it was that insane. Was he just was I, like so done. Like I, I've never, like we, we've seen stuff like that before. Like Shaq used to do that all the time. Right. But that's really like who Giannis is. 
it's it, like, it, but like even we talked about it before, like the size, like because we talked about who's guarding Giannis, and I'm like, I think Aiton has a chance because you know, even though he's bigger, and you know, you think of him as a big guy, but and then you see him, and like he might not be big enough to guard Giannis. It's insane. It's he. I mean, he he's just like I, I just think defensively, it, it 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 just really depends to me, you know, what you want. I, I think you know, specific Brooklyn versus Milwaukee matchup, which we may see next year, Brooklyn. Odds on favorite to win the title on Bovada uh, next season. I believe they are minus 250. I think actually Milwaukee is the third best title odds. If I, but you know, the other argument remember. I make for but, but, Durant. Hold on. Hold on. What, what I'm okay. going to say is like, I just don't think like Brooklyn specifically matches up pretty well because Giannis doesn't guard KD the way that you need to guard KD, right? Like Giannis okay. is a fantastic help defender, rim protector, whatever. But the difference, the biggest difference, in my opinion, between Giannis and like a younger LeBron is like LeBron could could legitimately strap you up on the perimeter. And Giannis is not quite able to do that just yet. It might he might be able to in the future. Who knows? Yeah. And yeah, he could be getting better. And the the one other argument, I think, for Durant, you know, would be I think he's easier to plug on a team. Like Giannis, like you kind of have to tailor the roster you, to, to maximize. What do you mean he's easy to plug? You could put Giannis yeah. on any team in the NBA and he'd be fine. But the Bucks are like built very well for him. Like having Middleton, having Brook Lopez is like a stretch. All we heard for two years is they didn't have enough. Well, they they might need a little more, but um, they still have good shooting. You know, uh, and like the Brook Lopez thing Below is low like, average shooting team. Well, yeah, but they like. If if anything, the way the Bucks are built like kind of marginalizes some pretty good players. Cause like I kind of I, I kind of went from like before the playoffs being like, yeah, Brooks really good, drop coverage guy, whatever, to being like, man, like the Bucks probably underutilized Brooke Lopez a good bit. Like he's right. probably got a lot more to give on the offensive end than we see. No, that's true. But he is also capable of stretching the floor, you know, Definitely. and like getting out of Giannis's way. And like the old center they had, remember they signed Greg Monroe and like he couldn't do that. Correct. I mean, the um, Brook so Lopez trading him like opened up things for him. The Brook Lopez acquisition and just being like ready to play him in a different way was like pretty pretty amazing by like the Bucks front office, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm willing to say like if you want, if you want to say not you specifically, but if somebody told me that they think Giannis is the best player in the NBA, like I'm not going to argue. No, absolutely. And I think the best argument for Giannis would also be if you're taking them for a full season, you're going to count on him playing a lot more games than you yeah. can. The other question is like, where's Luca in all this? Cause yeah. like rising I, the charts for sure. Like I, I understand that like Giannis just won the title. He's got two MVPs, finals, MVP, defensive player of the year, Durant, two finals, two finals, MVPs. I would expect him to win another one at some point. And then Luka Doncic just 30 minutes, Slovenia just scored 48 points in an Olympic game. Like, yeah. I, I don't know that like he's top he's, five. I don't yes. know that he's not ready to like take that mantle. If you year, just like took the know? names off the jerseys, it's kind of hard to make an argument for LeBron over Luca right now. I think. I, I mean, I think it's hard to make an argument for LeBron over any of those three. Yeah, honestly. And, but like Luca's top five, legitimate. If I had to rank, I'd go Durant, Giannis. I still might put Harden in there and just give him a pass for the injury. Um, it, we'll see. Then Luca's you know, in never, top five. Too. He may never be the same. I don't know. I, I'm an ardent James Harden defender, as we know. We we like to mention him every show, but like now he's like you know he's like in France. Like there's there's like police involvement. He's like always hanging out with little baby. It's like I don't know. I don't know if James Harden's playing a lot of basketball yeah. these days. It may not matter. It, it might and not, the guy that so. you ranked number one a few weeks ago, Jokic, didn't crash. I, I think, think he's very. I think Jokic is still very firmly in that mix. I think it's it's very hard to do what he did. And and again, like 
there's no reason to, to me, like Denver is like some sneaky value with Jamal Murray coming back and Michael Porter having, you know, more of a chance to be that number two guy. Like I, yeah. I think Denver is going to be pretty good, you know, I, and Phoenix is going to be good too. Assuming they re-sign Chris Paul, which I'm guessing they will, they can pay him the most money. Like, I don't know why he would really go anywhere else. I don't know unless the Lakers can like somehow swing Chris Paul. Like why, why would they're going to get somebody, but, but I'm saying like, why would Chris Paul like leave why would Chris Paul leave Phoenix? He's not going to really be able to, unless like he goes to like Philly, what better team is he going to be on if he really right. wants to try to win a title? And it, it stinks a little bit because I, 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 I kind of doubt that Phoenix is going to be a title contender in a normal year, but like Kawhi may be out for the entire season with the torn ACL. So, you know, you still have the Lakers, you still have the Jazz should be pretty good, but like Phoenix should easily compete to win the West. I mean, Golden State should be better, right? But I well, Chris Paul. a lot of draft picks. So let's get into the draft. So this is the exercise. Oh, man, I hate the draft. No, I, I'm all, I'm actually pretty excited about the draft this year. Yeah. I think it's a very deep draft. It's a very good draft. And so the, we can't, you know, it's such a condensed offseason. We couldn't talk about every prospect. So I gave you an exercise, some homework to do at home where you do homework. I said to you, like, I want to know, like, what guys do you, you might like this guy. You might dislike this guy. You kind of like this guy, kind of like which guys would you really believe in that if you were a GM, you're like knowing everything I know, limited information and all like, this is the guy that I think I would pull the trigger on. Like if I would, if I had the first overall pick, not in general, I'll give you a couple different spots. So this is, we're calling it plant your flag or pound the table, plant your flag. That's good. That can be the name. That can be the title of the uh, episode because it also works for the Olympics. Anyway. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And so I gave you a couple of choices. So, I want to know different tiers of players. So let's just start at the top. Like there are, I think four guys that some people rank at number one, various sites like tankathon has Jalen Suggs, number one ESPN has Cade Cunningham. Other people like Jalen green, Evan Mobley. Those are the top well, four. Let me, let me do, let me do this real quick with the, with the top six. I, I think personally, like this draft is, is, is fairly deep. I like Scotty Barnes better than Jonathan Kaminga at that fifth spot. I don't know where the consensus is on him, but I, I just like Barnes a bit better. I think he does more without being able to shoot. If you fix it, great. I will say I I kind of like Kaminga and Scotty Barnes better than Jalen Suggs personally. I don't get the like one So you don't think he's a, he's part of no, the top. I, I think he's good. I think he's in that mix for yeah, sure. Like I don't draft, think Draft Express said like the other three are more of like uh, I number one picks and Suggs I, tier below yeah i think that personally like i would put him in the same tier as like i i don't think it's one through four then like five through eight i think it's one through three and then like four to four to eight four to seven depending on what you think so let's say you had to plant your flag pick one of those top three like the guy that you think like money on the line house on the line who are you taking yeah, it's this year's draft is interesting because I, I do think that I, I've seen like Sam Bassini at the Athletic said that like he likes all three of these guys better than Anthony Edwards. And I don't know that I agree with that. I, you know, as a big Anthony Edwards guy, I understand Detroit is, I'd be surprised if they didn't take Cade Cunningham. In my opinion, Cade has the highest floor of these two. Although Evan Mobley, I, I think, has a pretty high floor. But Cade is, I think it's like pretty. I would be willing to bet that Cade is as good as like Tobias Harris in his career. And, and if that's the case, like that's a really good player. Is that the number one overall pick? Probably not. Four to five all-star appearances, something like that. I would rather, if I was Detroit, swing for the fences. Um, I personally think I would take Evan Mobley number one overall. Given, given like just if everything aligns, I think he's like, 
the potential to be, you know, more like an Anthony Davis type. And I, I just, for, for Cade, as I mentioned on the show before, like, I've always heard he's a passer. His turnovers are really high at Oklahoma State. His teammates stunk, so I get that. But, like, I don't know that I buy that he's a 40% three-point shooter right now, but I also don't know that I buy that he's, like, a jumbo creator. And if he's not that, like, he's not Luka, right? Like, I, I think he's much more of, like – I think he's much more of like a second or third guy. And I think Mobley can lead your team in scoring at a certain point if, if his shooting advances, <laughs> but he's always going to be a rim protector. There's a lot of space for his frame to get a lot bigger. He's a really smart player. So I think of those three, you know, if you you're shooting for, yeah, Suggs is probably the highest ceiling. Like if, if, if you're just like, Hey, if everything works out perfectly. Oh, so wait, can, what happened to, cause we, I gave you this homework to do. And then you texted me and you said, Cade was your guy at number one. I mean, Cade's going to go number one. No, but Cade, I thought Cade you meant like who you like. One. You're playing your flag. Like you switched. I, I, I like them all. I, I think it, it really depends. And like the way you pulled the is, last minute switcheroo on me. I, I think the way the Detroit is constructed, having a wing who can make shots and distribute a little bit is really good. I just worry that Cade, I don't know how Cade beats guys off the dribble in the NBA and he's not, the level of IQ and like footwork and balance that a guy like Luca is where it's like, all right, he's not a great athlete, but he's also heavy and he gets by guys because he understands angles and he's an amazing passer. Like to me, like that's just not Kate, you know? And so I understand drafting him. I think the floor is really high, but if you're, if you really like to me, I don't know. They're, they're all like pretty good, no, but I'm, good. Not making the, I'm not making the choice, you know? I think if, <laughs> so you backed out. No, no, no. I'm saying like, in, I'm saying like, you're, as, as you're my, waffling. No, no, my go, own. Go pers- home, Biles. Go, go take a break. No, no, take a, I, I just think you're, you're, you're asking me, you're asking me a question and I think. Plant your flag. You have to, you I have don't, to make a I pick. don't personally think that Cade is like a can't miss. Like this guy has to go one overall. If, if, if I had no roster to speak of, I would draft Evan Mobley. Well, you know, what's interesting is that, um, I don't think it's fake. There's some, you know, rumor that Detroit at number one likes all three, the top three, and they're legitimately debating it. There was to the point, but maybe this illustrates your, your Kate Cunningham take is there was some report that Oklahoma city offered Shea Gildas Alexander and number six for Cade. And people were surprised. They turned that down. They must think Cade's a superstar, but you would, you're saying based on what you're saying now that you would probably have taken that. As you know, because we texted about this prior to, if I was Detroit, I would have seriously considered that deal. I don't know personally how good Killian Hayes is. If if, if they've seen something that, that makes them think that he needs to be the ball hitter, then I understand potentially not wanting to take Shea Gilgis-Alexander and hand an extension right away on a bad team. So I understand Detroit not doing it. Obviously, so things don't exist in a vacuum. I, I would rather, just, just for their career, right. I'd rather have Shea Gilgis Alexander than Cade, personally. That's, but yeah, and then the extension's a big factor. But, it, um, but if you're Detroit, like you're still rebuilding for a while, you maybe don't want to even get a better pit. Like you, you kind of probably still want to stink for 2022, right? So, well, and I think that's why there's some reports that Oklahoma City is floating shade to other teams as well. It's like they, they want to be bad. Yeah, their their timeline isn't really matching up. But but again, Shea Gilgis Alexander is a guy that averaged what like twenty four five and five as a super young yeah. guy. I mean, I know on a bad team, but like Shea and six to me is worth more than Cade. But it doesn't. That's not necessarily how you build your team, you know. Because again, you, do you really want to be Detroit and handing Shea Gilgis Alexander what is likely to be a max contract extension very soon when you're not very good? That seems right. like dooming yourself to win like. 38 to 45 games. And yeah, that's not the thing really I, what you the thing want. I would worry about with Shea Gilders Alexander is like, 
he his stats are great this year in a very advantageous situation where it's like you're the star score as much as you want and like i just wonder like how good would he be playing with like lebron or something he was like, quite he was quite good on a on a pretty good oklahoma city thunder team two years ago that's honestly. true well my He's take so young Courtney, I never know what to expect of you. You're always surprising us. I thought you said Cade was your guy, so I was going to hype up Evan Mobley, but I agree with you on both. I actually like Cade more than you do, I guess, because the thing that I like about him, kind of aside from the obvious, is like you've mentioned it before. He seems like a very mature, unflappable dude. Yeah. Leader. Yeah. And I think he's a kid. He seems like a 30 year old. He is. He is absolutely that. I, I think like, again, from a culture standpoint, and I mean, there's a lot to like, I, 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 you know, you guys, people, but you mainly give me a lot of crap for like not liking the draft. And I know like if you worked in front office, like this is like your Super Bowl, right? This is what you want to do. But I, I always feel very guilty not being able to like watch kids workouts and like listen to interviews yeah, specifically right. with teams, because one of the things we're hearing is that like, Detroit had a workout with Cade and like they just weren't blown away. Right. And so you you can't like replicate how you feel being in the gym, like watching right. or Danny Ainge meeting with Markel Fultz and being like, eh. yeah, it's not right. And so that that's where like I always have a hard time. And I know these shows every year, like I'm super wishy-washy and it's very annoying, but it's like like right now, the, the, the odds of it going Cunningham, Jalen Green. Evan Mobley are minus two twenty five on Bovada, right? So, so that that that's you know better than two, like better than one to two. That that's the way it's going to go. I'd be stunned if Detroit didn't draft Cade. But I also I think they will. And he I, wants to go there. He's talked right. up the city. I, I just think it's it's it, to me it's like hey, like you have this guy in and like you don't like the workout in like three years if you get fired and he's just not very good. You're never gonna like let you're never gonna let yourself forget that that like you watch but the draft. I, I've workout. learned. You know what I've learned in my old age, like, and watching Giannis too. It's like, obviously he has a lot of tools. He's a freak, but like betting on character, betting on work ethic. If Cade is like a good kid and he has that like X factor leadership, in addition to being, you know, six, seven wing who could shoot and handle the ball. Um, I, it makes me less, uh, scared about taking him. I do think the the tough part is though, that this, the top of this draft Kaminga aside, there there are some definitely not, not necessarily like character issues with John Kaminga, but like, you know, there's been this birth certificate thing for like a long time, but the top five guys, if you include Scotty Barnes in that are all fantastic kids. Like seems like there's a lot of like good character guys coming through. I would say this about Mobley. Like I echo what you said. Like I would have him number two personally, but, um, good with the ball good passer really high upside on both sides like yeah anthony davis i think is like a legit comparison i think he's better than of a prospect than james weissman last year who went to i think he's better than jaron jackson who went four that's a good one jaron jackson's probably like his floor almost i guess if he never shoots threes he he won't quite be that good but he clearly looks like he can shoot threes he could be jaron jackson i think pretty i think the only reason you don't take mobile is like you just don't want to have an extra big. big guy yeah um, but he's lit. I watched a lot of him, you know, at USC out here. He's really good, he's, really talented. And I, I think that the biggest thing too, and this is, this is again, another question that I would have if I was Detroit, like I want to get Evan Mobley on like in my building and I want to like look and judge his frame. Like I want, I want my like strength stack to say like, yeah, we think we yeah. can add weight on him. We, cause like, that's one of the guys I'm going to talk about if we ever get there is like, I like Trey Murphy, but I know that there are people 
who think Trey Murphy's frame isn't really adept to adding like 20, 30 pounds, like a Paul George type where like all of a sudden, or Giannis, everybody saw that, right? That Giannis was 205 pounds and now he's 250. But like, I don't know about Evan Mobley. I think his frame looks like it can add weight pretty well, but you never want to draft Mo Bamba, right? Where like, he just, he just doesn't put on weight in places that you, you really want to. And so that's where like, you know, and also like, I think you agree with me on Jalen green, like, huge upside a little more awesome. of a risk yeah he's definitely risky like it wouldn't shock go. me if like in five years he is like one of the most famous players in the league definitely great personality for it super like great smile super nice kid i great dunker i i uh these are not guys that i want to bet against i'll tell you that no. much right now like i like jalen suggs the same way like these are guys that have been like good workers and produced at like t- every level. Like I, these are not guys that I would want to bet against. I think like if you have a top five pick, even if you have like a top eight pick, seven pick, I guess I feel really good about these guys. Honestly, I really do. I mean, it's, it's natural that some of them are going to bust, but I think this is a really good draft. So the next exercise I gave you was top guys, pick your favorite one. Now, like pick your favorite guy in sort of the, after that top six, like the seven to 14 range the guy that if you were sitting on the board, like you would say, like, I want to bet on this guy. Okay. I don't remember who I texted you. I'm going to go based on my I, I gut. Do know who, I, know I who think you. I texted you Franz Wagner. I hope. No, you said book night. Oh, okay. All right. So let me talk about these two guys. All right. So book night, I think James book night has a lot of helium. It sounds like he could go as high as seven, which, you know, I, I don't think we thought that at the time, but I like him from the standpoint that like he can really score at the rim, like he's a really good finisher at the rim. And I think, you know, I, I think that will translate. It typically does really good rebounder at the guard spot. I think there's more creation left in his game than we've seen. If he goes to a team like golden state, you know, you get to already play in, in a lot of space, which I think is a big deal. And so I, I think that he's a classic type of guy where, you know, he was like a, he, he finished his career, like a top 50 ish recruit, I think, but for a while he, he was injured and, uh, he missed time in high school and then he comes back and he has a really good, like close to his junior AAU season. And he was committed to UConn. And it was like, all of a sudden we didn't see him anymore. And I think he's consistently gotten better. And so I think you need to score. And and he's, to me, he's the guy who has the best, like other than Jalen green, he has the best specific offensive package in my opinion of, of this draft. And so like, like the best chance of being like a 20 point score. Yeah. I think, I think he's really good. Uh, I, I don't know. There are team, there are people that don't believe in him as a shooter. And I think that, again, his jumper is not, like, broken, in my opinion. So I think, like, more reps and, and a, a system where, like, he doesn't need to be the guy right away, we could see him be a very smooth scorer in the NBA in a couple of years. And so you also like Franz Wagner? Best off-ball defender in the draft, in my opinion. I think he plays even if he can't shoot. But his jumper looks good. Like, he, he looks like he should make it, and he just doesn't. Really knows how to play. He's super young. He's like 20. And uh, he's very, very skilled. I I think Wagner, to me, is a guy that's very, very undervalued. I think he'll probably be there in like the 10 range. I think there's an argument to take him over any other wing in the draft outside of Kate. Yeah. So it's sort of that like third tier, I guess you would say. It's very interesting. Like beauty in the eye of the holder. Um, All those guys. I think it will be interesting. Uh, He can bet on the hopefully their starters. And then... I said, okay, so now outside. Hey, of who's Lonnie, your guy? I kind of went back and forth. I mean, I, I don't really have like a strong take on any of these guys. Yeah. It's uh, a- I don't like Kuminga, by the way. I, I, the, but I'll tell you this, the one guy you don't like, I want to like, and I want to root for is Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. I, like Corey I know you don't see it, but like the thing I like about him, obviously he's like a, you know, wing shoot white guy, great shooter. 
the thing I like about him is two things aside from that. Six seven, two twenty, like a thick guy. So Definitely. he can guard certain players. I think he can guard up even some small can I mean, he, power forwards. Can he guard players though? I, I, think, I, mean, I think you could hide him on certain guys, like a Tory Craig or something. You he know? couldn't guard anyone on Baylor. And so there are going to be a lot of Baylor level athletes in the NBA. But anyway, I think, go on. I think you can hide him. And then he's also, a big dude. I agree. Yeah. He's thicker than you think. He's not like Nick Stauskas, right? That's good. Um, yeah. I also just watching interviews with him, he seems like a really good guy. And again, it's like that Giannis thing. Like, I just want like good kids around. I don't want to like coach is... some kid and teach him how to be a young man. Like he's 22. He's going to be a pro. Come in here, be a rotational guy. Hopefully you're a starter like a Joe Harris and you're going to have a long career. Yeah. He needs to lose a little weight in my opinion, if he's going to really have a good career. I, 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 again, I really worry about the defense. His jump shot forms a little bit flat, but man, does he, yeah, it's a little he, slow, a little, he, may, low, he makes mean, that, he gets that thing off pretty quick for his form, but his feet are really good. I, I just don't know. I like him. I, I think he's a, he's a good guy. And so then the next thing I said, can you come up with somebody in like the 15 to 30 range that you would bet on? Okay. Uh, again, I don't remember who I texted you. You alluded to him already. Trey Murphy. Oh yes. Trey, Trey Murphy. Murphy. I, I think Trey Murphy has like a lot of buzz. Like I, I, I don't even know. Maybe John Hollinger's mock. That just came out on Tuesday. Like, I think John Hollinger had him like potentially going 13th to the Pacers. Well, I think, I, and I want to take some credit because Trey Murphy, if you don't know, he's like 6'9, 3 and D kind of guy, more 3 than yeah, D. Not, not necessarily a D guy just yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I flagged him. He was ranked in the 70s literally like a month ago. Yeah. And he's gotten as high as you said, maybe 13. We, we've going. talked about, we've talked about him on the show for a while because. You know, he, he's a guy who was six seven. He went to Rice. He did he did use the ball a little bit more at Rice. He was a very like not a super high usage guy at UVA, but it's kind of how they play. But 50-40-90 guy at UVA, right? So that you know, right there tells you he's got one legitimate skill. But again, he's he's grown two inches, and I know that it's you know it's easy when you hear that to be like, oh, it's Paul George. I don't think that's I, him. But you don't think he's Paul George? But he could could he be Cam Johnson? Yeah, he could easily be Cam Johnson. He he could definitely be Cam Johnson. I, I I think that for sure. I think that's a good pick and a good safe pick. You're not going to like lose your job by betting on Trey Murphy. The guy that I flagged, plant my flag, is like the opposite. And we talked a lot about him on the show already. Um, LSU scorer Cam Thomas. Thomas, sorry. I mean, just upside, right? Like he's one he's, one skill, one skill, really but good. it's a very important skill. Is just like scoring the ball. Averaged per thirty six, twenty four points a game. Got to the line, ton shot, eighty eight percent from the line. I mean, jacks the, it up from anywhere. The names of the guys who have averaged twenty three points a game as a freshman in a power conference is like all dudes who have been in the NBA for a long time. So yeah, and I think like worst case, you're like this guy's going to get his own shot, shoot it from anywhere, Jordan Clarkson type. Yeah, but I think he's I mean, statistically, he's a lot better further along than Jordan Clarkson was like, it wouldn't shock me if five years he's averaging 25 points a game. And how did that people not bet on this guy who scored so much in college? But again, like it's a risk. So I think if I was a team with multiple picks in the first round, Houston or Oklahoma City, like it's worth the upside then. Yeah, Um, I, I think Cam Thomas, too. Drawing fouls typically translates. I understand that he's going to be a rookie. So like, who knows if he's going to draw fouls, but like Emmanuel click quickly drew fouls at like a pretty high rate for a rookie this past season. So a lot of Cam Johnson's offense is that he draws fouls and he makes like close to 90% of his free throws that I would expect to continue maybe at a little right. bit of a suppressed rate, but 
you know, if you're drafting Cam Thomas, you're drafting him to give him the ball as part of like the second unit right away. He's right. clearly not going to be ready to carry a team offensively. And just but if jack up shots. And that's what I'm saying. If you're drafting Cam Thomas, like you're drafting him to carry your offense for short stretches of a game. So I, I would expect Cam Thomas to be able to draw fouls. The, the real question is like, is he, is he a Harden type jump shooter where he's like elite as a catch and shoot guy, but he's like takes bad shots. So he's like a 35% guy, or is he legitimately just not that good of a jump shooter? Cause well, that, you know, that's it's interesting. Like that's I've like heard sort he of shot like, it very well, by the way. In right. And that's what I'm seeing. So like, that's sort of one of the, aside from not playing defense or doing anything besides shoot and score, he didn't shoot that well. He shot 32%. Yeah, I think a, there's a logic or there's a train of thought. I shouldn't say a logic, a train of thought that I tend to agree with where it's like your shot attempts from three are actually almost as important as your percentage. So he shot seven threes a game and you know, the percentage might vary. So like, I think I tend to think that'll bounce back. And just the fact that you're willing to launch so often and from so deep, like makes you a spacer regardless of what percentage you're hitting. Cause it's not like if you're, defending somebody you're like oh he's a 34 percent shooter i'm not going to guard him from three you know like you're still going to have to stretch the floor one quick thing on cam thomas before we uh move on i I do think because of how good lou williams has been and because of how kind of utah has just given jordan clarkson the green light there's much less pressure on a guy like cam thomas to have to come in and change who he is to be like a backup point guard right zan so i think that, you know, five years ago, you draft Cam Thomas, you're like, yeah, he's got to be able to pass the ball. He's got to be able to run the offense. And I just I just don't think whoever drafts him now, and I, I think there's a chance it could be like the Hawks or the Lakers. I, I don't I don't think they need that from him. I think they're going to be like, hey, we need you to score. That's what you're here for. And, and we can make the rest of the team work, right? And so I think that gives Cam Thomas, in my opinion, a better than average chance of succeeding from like being a late teens, early 20s type pick. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the last thing I asked you to do, second rounders, you know, deeper sleepers, if you know, they're all stumped in the war room and they come to you, who do you got that we don't know? I'll give you two. One, both of these guys maybe could sneak into the first round. I'm, I'm not sure. Josh Christopher is a guy that I really like. Uh, I think that guys like him that play with the level of like aggression he does, he tries to get downhill, he tries to get through the rim. I really like that. He, he's played on a bunch of different AAU teams. He hasn't really been coached. He played on the same high school team his whole career, but again, like public high school, I think he loves basketball and I think that matters. So th- there's definitely, he takes a, takes a lot of bad shots. Like some games he plays, some of his film, he looks like amazing. And it's like, Hey, he's playing within an offense and he can really score. And then there's other games where it's like, what is this guy doing? Is he shaving points? And so I like Josh Christopher as a guy who has some skill. There's some length. There's a lot of athleticism. And you get him in a system and, and you finally coach him to like, hey, this is what we expect out of you. This is a good shot. This is what your role is. I like him at late first, early second as a guy that can that can actually outperform his draft position as kind of a backup wing. Uh, and then the other guy that I, I like that I think has had a kind of like a tenuous career, if you will. And I, th- I don't know if I've talked about him on the show before, but like Isaiah Todd has kind of gone from being like, you know, number one guy in his class, like can't miss NBA future wing to like, you know, kind of an afterthought. I think he could sneak into the first round. He's like 6'10", and he's kind of embraced that he's actually going to be a four man at the NBA level and not a three. And I think that he's had a lot of time to kind of like reflect on 
you know, his last couple of years and the people that he's had around him. And it sounds like he did an awesome job in the G league and given how big he is and how athletic he is and how fast his first step is and how his jump shot looks like to me, I would love to draft Isaiah Todd as like a lottery ticket that he's figured it out and that he knows who he's going to be. And if that's the case, I think, you know, you're not going to get that combination of size and skill anywhere else really in the draft. You know, I think that there's guys like Kai Jones is being talked about as like a top 10 pick and, I'm not sure I wouldn't rather have Isaiah Todd just given the fact that he knows he's going to be a four. And I think that there's some issues with, with Kai Jones and like, Oh, I want to be a three. And it's like, you're, you're six eleven, like you're a five, you know what I mean? So I think with Isaiah Todd, I, I would like to be holding that lottery ticket in a couple of years. Um, that makes sense. I go in the other way, just to like a safe play. In the second safe? round. That's not fun. Well, I'm value. You know, is it value though? I, I guess it is. We talked about this with what's his face on. Uh, I can't even think of his name on uh, Terrence Mann or whatever. Yeah, I well, the guy that I'm kind of intrigued by. Okay, maybe upside of his upside might be like a rotational big, but Philip Petrusa. He's pretty yes. good. Yeah, you would pick a Euro. Well, and this is why I like this kid. He was at Gonzaga. You know, more of a traditional big guy, average seventeen and seven, and then he went to back to Europe played in the Serbian league and like showed a little bit more of a stretch potential. I think he won the league MVP um, averaging 20 points a game. So I'm like, I don't know, you know what the upside is here, but if he could play as like a, you know, first big off the bench and right now in Bovada, he's listed over under 51 pick. So if I could get him at 45, I would rather that than the Turkish guy. um, Sangin's, Sangin's pretty darn good. Yeah, Alberto Sangin, and who's supposed to go top ten, right, or something yeah, like that, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood, like eight to twelve, but I would imagine, based on the fact that he put up a lot of great stats in Europe. But I'm like, this guy also put up great stats, and he's available in round two. Sangin's also much younger, right? Sangin's like two years younger than yeah. Petrusa. Petrusa's good. Petrusa's good. And Sangin is very interesting because I don't know enough about him to have a strong opinion. You know, he doesn't look like a super athlete to me or a big guy, so he would scare me for those reasons statistically he's off the charts in fact i saw this today kevin pelton has like you know projected war based on stats and models he ranks him as the number one prospect overall based on that yeah because he the, might the history of like guys doing what he's done in europe at his right. age is like luca and like that's it and you might scoff at that but like he also according to the same model had Jokic really high in that draft as well yeah like top like top five right right and i think but who knows? What and were the he, other who? What were the other guys like? Who else was like rated highly on his? Yeah, I usually he, wait for that to come out. I haven't seen it yet. Who, who yeah, else was no, rated it was interesting because I, I noticed Thingen was really high. Mostly guys, you know, the guys that he was low on were guys like Booknight, for you know, yeah, not who a had a lot of turnovers record. and yeah. you know didn't score with that efficiently. But who knows if that's right or wrong? It's something interesting to monitor. I love when people have like a non-consensus take like that because then you could track it in three years and see how good they were. Yeah, it's interesting. Sangin has Sangin's got a lot of upside. I think he's just you know you you worry about like you're getting Enos Cantor and it's tough. You know I understand like the production, but like you have to be generational with something, right? And so like Jokic is just like a generational passer, and so that's why he works as a big. If Sangin is truly just like a generational box, like block to block scorer, that's just not that valuable, right? Like, and he he may not be. I'm not I'm not saying that he is. Um, I'm just saying like that's the part where it's like yeah those numbers translate to the NBA, but like your, your perceived value isn't, isn't quite that good. And so, and yeah, to that point, like it sucks for 
talk about college guy who maybe missed the boat on like cashing in on your college persona or whatever, like Luca Garza for Iowa. Yeah, average twenty four and nine shot forty four percent from three. And then it's like, oh, you're not, you don't still fit the NBA. It's like that guy was as good of a college player as you're going to see in a long time. Yeah, a couple yeah. other ones on on Bobata really quickly that uh, I would tout that I think are, are decent. Jalen Johnson uh, over twelve point five. It is minus two hundred. I don't think there's any chance that he goes before the twelfth pick. So wow, because he was that, a guy who was supposed to be a top eight for a while. Yeah, I don't know that that's free money. I also don't like paying that much juice, as you know. But I, I think that one's. But would you think that's off the court stuff, or? Yeah, I think it's some of that for sure. Uh, and the other one, so Keon Johnson is a guy that everyone, you know, for a while was like, "Hey, this guy could be like the, the number six pick because he's just so athletic," but. I think there's much more – he's actually off the board right now. But I, I think there's much more like, hey, this is a six three and a half power forward. And so if you're seeing Keon Johnson like in the lottery type stuff and it's close to even money, I would probably wager on Keon Johnson not being picked in the lottery. Which I'm, I, and I'm glad to hear that because, yeah, ESPN might, but, blew, as you said, blew him up all the way to number six. So athletic, broke the vertical I mean, he jump is, record. He is that. If you get it right, you got a like super athlete who can guard – you know, one through three, which is spectacular in the NBA. Right. I, I'm just like not betting on those guys and guys anymore. It's like, I don't want to teach a kid how to play basketball. Yeah. Um, he's a super good kid too. Like he, he's got a chance. He, he was injured in high school. You know, he, he missed his junior AAU season. Like there, there definitely is a chance for Keon Johnson. But is there any skill more overrated than like dunking ability? Yeah, like how yeah, often does that athleticism come into play? Itself, athleticism itself is not overrated. As no, I don't think athleticism. I think pure yes. dunking, like, wow, he has a great yeah, vertical like, jump. Yeah, there's like some chance that like Keon Johnson is Desmond Mason, right? Where like, it's awesome. He can win a dunk contest, but it's like, this just doesn't translate into games. And in right. college, you with that sometimes because your first step's so quick, like you can just get to the rim and you can offensive rebound and score. But like in the games where Tennessee was like, gave the ball to Keon and was like, Hey, we need you to score. Like he, he just like looked lost. Like he had no idea what to do. And so again, I think I definitely would draft him in the first round. I, I you know, it's just the package of skills, but I, I don't think he's going to be a lottery pick. So if you well, see- and also like, I'm like more inclined these days to like go with a little more of a pro ready prospect thinking like, Hey, I had this guy for whatever, four years. Like I don't want three of those years to him be terrible. Right. And yeah. and then I have to pay him a lot of money. Like I'd rather have a guy who's actually going to be productive on the rookie contract. Yeah. I, I think you're, I think you're right about that. And I think it all depends on where you're drafting and where your team is too. So, uh, but anyway, the draft is what Thursday night. It takes a million hours. Uh, probably won't stay up and watch the whole thing. I will be watching to pick number 23. That's for sure. So uh, other than that, though, Zan, um, who's pick number twenty three? Is that I don't even know. Oh, I just want to make sure. I, you know, we're, we're oh, because we yeah we put our money. We're interested. Where our mouth is. We're interested in Cam Thomas being drafted before <laughs> we, pick number twenty three. So yeah, I we put our money where our mouth is. We pounded that yeah. under. Hopefully before twenty. So hopefully, I, I almost everybody I've seen has had him drafted before twenty three. But then John Hollinger had him at like twenty seven, and so I know he does some goofy stat stuff. So like you know he may be a little off an industry consensus. At least that's the hope. But uh, other than that, you know, I, I, I don't envision myself like staying up to the second round. You're going to be there writing Reddit posts on guys drafted at like 48. So it should be a really fun draft. I mean, like it, you're right. Like this is the top of the end. Like and there's some talk about big trades. There's some talk there. Yeah. And there could be Evan Mobley you know, doesn't want to go to Houston. You know, we could see we could see Damian Lillard move. We could see Brad Beal move. I, I don't anticipate that being the case, but it's, it's certainly possible. Uh, the other thing is Team USA plays at eight o'clock in the morning on Saturday. 
You can watch it on Peacock Plus, or it should be replayed, I believe, later in the day on NBC. So turn your phone off. Don't go on Twitter for spoilers and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, 8 a.m. against the Czech Republic, and that should be a pretty good game. So uh, you got anything else or is that it? That's it. Um, sorry to be so anti Simone Biles. I'm not. I'm anti the media coverage, and I want women to be treated. We need equally, to stop. Honestly. We need to stop just like hammering, you know, athletes on this show. All right, he is uh, Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. Uh, Zandrick Ellison at gmail.com If you want to email the show, and uh, we will be back next week. And as always, Zan. Yeah, a lot pleasure. to cover. We did it. Congratulations. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.